Uh, you know, I wanted to go back to last week's message a little bit. Um, we, we talked about the hope that Paul had uh, that he was basing his salvation on. And I talked about true hope and false hope. And, you know, I, I talked about putting your hope in the right place. And I talked about the Seahawks and how I had hope that they were going to win. Don't shake your head at me. That I had hope that they were going to beat the Saints at home without Drew Brees, their star quarterback. And they let me down. But all I could do is I could uh, stop and think. I ended up texting with Scott and uh, Bruce that day and say, I'm just so thankful that my hope in Jesus for salvation is better than my hope and my confidence in the Seahawks that they're going to win. And I know all you Cowboy fans are thinking, what hope was there in that? <laughs> but that's beside the point. Ha ha. Okay. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians, and we're going to be looking at how Paul takes this step from saying, okay, my hope is in the right place, and now... I want to not just have this hope, but I want to live my life to the fullest for Jesus. I want to press on to perfection. Okay, so that's where we're going to be going. But before we do, I want to come back to football, and I want to pick on your favorite team. Okay, how many of you are satisfied with the last time your team has won the Super Bowl? I'd say, I, I just, I don't care if they do it again. I, I did a little research this week, and I found out that the Vikings have been to the Super Bowl four times but they have never won the Super Bowl. Anybody Viking fans content with that? You're content with that? Just the fact that they made it. Okay, well, that just blew everything out of the water. Uh, any Broncos fans? They've, been, they've won the Super Bowl three times. The last time was 2016. Are you ready for your team to relax and take it easy? Yes? No, okay, I don't think so. Okay, Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl four times. The last time was in 2011. Annika. Are you happy with that? She won't even look at me. Okay. <laughs> Cowboys, your team has made it, won the Super Bowl six times. The last time was 1996. You guys are satisfied? No, of course not. The Seahawks have won one Super Bowl, and it's back in 2014. And I'm telling you, I'm not happy. I'm not content with that. The Patriots, they've won six. The last time was 2019. We're all content with that, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we're going to move on to uh, kids and parents of kids. Uh, when, the last time your kid got a report, if they got an A on their last report card, are you content? Are you satisfied with the last time they got an A on their report card? Like, I don't care if they ever do it again. No, right? You're not content. Uh, Mrs. Wegnon, you, you have changed and improved the music program drastically. Are you content with what the kids know, or do you want them to improve and to get better? Okay, yes, I think that's saying I up it up. Let's keep going. You know, it, it works in every area of life. If you have cows, if you have crops, you're not satisfied with what was last year. You say, I want it to be better this year, even with car companies. Those guys, they work for number one year after year after year. They're not content to say, last year we were number one, now it's someone else's turn. They say, no, we want that number one position for ourselves. And so today, we're going to be looking with the Philippians at how to reach our maximum spiritual potential. We know how to do it with music, how to reach our maximum potential. We know how to do it at work. We know how to do it with our grades at school. Today, we're going to be focusing on, on reaching our maximum spiritual potential. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 16, as we look at Paul trying to encourage and trying to persuade the Philippians that this is what you need to strive for. This is what you need to shoot for. And when Paul's talking about this, he's saying, uh, 
Let me read verses 12 to 14 first before I say anything else. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching towards those things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, my goal, my aim is perfection, right? I want to be perfect in following and obeying Jesus. But he says, I'm not just content to say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. He says, Philippian church, this is what you need to do. And if you look in 1 Corinthians, obviously not written to the Philippians church, Paul's talking about running the Christian life, and he uses this picture of a guy running a race. He says, run and compete as if there is only one prize. That's how you're supposed to run your Christian life, as if only one person is going to be rewarded when they get there. And you don't want that to be Paul. You want that to be who? Me. I want to, right? And that's the way we're supposed to run the Christian life, as if there's one prize, and if I want it, I want to be the very best. And so Paul says, this is what I'm shooting for, and today we're going to look at how do I do that? Okay, we're going to look at three different requirements uh, for what Paul says, if you want to reach your maximum spiritual potential, this is what you need to do. The first requirement is to put the past behind you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me. Okay, that's the first thing. I got to let go of the past if I'm going to press on for the future. If we, if we go back uh, to what we talked a little bit about last week, uh, one thing that Paul has to let go of is what is he going to rely on for salvation. Verses 7 and 8 says, But what things were gained to me, these I have also kind of lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul, we looked at last week, gave this great big list of all these things that he could rely on for salvation. But if he's going to press on for Jesus, he's going to have to let that go. He can't be hanging on to these things saying, hey, look, Jesus, look what I did while I'm pressing on to Jesus. He's got to set those things aside and say, that has absolutely no bearing on what I'm going to have for salvation. Uh, we looked at Paul. He was a Pharisee. There was about 6,000 Pharisees at one time at the absolute most. Paul says, I was one of those. Paul had the zeal for persecuting the church. He wasn't content just to say, you believe what you want, I'll believe what I want. His goal was to extinguish anything that conflicted with his beliefs. And Paul's righteousness, according to the law, was there's no one who can compare with that, right? If, if anybody's good enough, Paul would have been that guy. But he says, all those things, he says, I can't rely on those for salvation. I can't rely on those and Jesus for salvation. So he says, I'm going to dump all that. And I'm only going to Jesus for salvation. He had to put his false beliefs for salvation behind them. Paul also had to put everything that he did behind, for the Lord behind him. You know, Paul has been on three different missionary journeys. Now, these weren't like week-long mission trips. I've been on mission trips growing up. We did it like a vacation Bible school. We went like two hours away, and we had like 20 kids, and we did the VBS and the songs and the things. It's not like that. This is, these are like month-long, you know, months and months of new territories, meeting new people in foreign lands. Paul has done that. Paul has started churches. There's an estimated of 14 to 20 churches. I will probably never start a church in my whole entire life, but Paul's done that. 
Paul's led lots and lots of people to the Lord. Paul has discipled numerous people. Paul has endured persecution numerous times. He's been almost dead because he's been trying to serve the Lord. If you looked at anybody around, who deserves a break? Who deserves to say, I'm on vacation, I'm not doing this anymore, I've arrived, I have done enough? It's Paul, right? He's, he's done more than probably the churches combined have done, right? Uh, for all the work that he's done. But Paul says, I'm not even thinking about that. He says, I'm going to put that behind me. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Paul says, I'm not going to think about all those great and awesome things I did for the Lord? Well, my, my guess is that if I think about all those things I did for the Lord, all of a sudden my focus is not facing forward. I'm thinking about, man, I really did do a lot of things. You know what? There's, I led, I discipled Timothy. I started all these churches. And it would distract him. It would stop him. So Paul says, I'm not even thinking about that. There will be time for that later. I'm not doing that now. You know, in today's terms, Paul would be like the coach who's not satisfied with last year's trophy. You know, you think about the Bill Pelichick with the Patriots. He just goes and he goes and he goes. His goal is to keep getting that next trophy. That would be Paul. He'd be the parent who's not satisfied with the last time his kid got an A. He says, you get another one. You get another one. He'd be like the car dealer who's not content with the last 10 years of being number one. He says, I want number 11. I want number 12 of being number one. Jesus deserves Paul's best every moment of every day. No matter what is going on, Paul says, I'm going to try to give Jesus my 100%. And he says, I'm going to do that, first of all, by putting the past behind me. You know, you and I need to put the past behind us as well. I'm going to look at three things here. The first is, if, if we have been relying on something else for salvation, we've got to put that behind us. Right? If I'm relying on, like we talked about last week, my heritage, like the things that I cannot control, I have this Scottish tie, I have Scottish in me. How much choice did I have in that? None, right? It's just, hey, just my parents got together and there I came by and I, I, I'm Scottish, at least a tiny little bit. I had no control over that. And people say, well, my parents were Christians. Or even look at the fact that America is considered a Christian nation. I bet there's millions of people running around thinking, I'm a Christian just because I live in this country. And if, if you're relying on that for your salvation, you can't do that. That's not going to work. Uh, Paul talked about relying on good works, the things that I can control. The fact that, uh, and people do that today, they rely on the fact that they were baptized. Somebody dunked me as babies. I got dunked when I was 17. I got dunked when I was 85. So I'm going to heaven. You got to put that behind you. Doing good deeds, always being that person who's reaching, uh, giving that extra hand. If we're relying on anything besides Jesus for salvation, we've got to just let it go. Sure, you are a great person. The whole world's going to think you're amazing, but you got to let it go. Put it behind you because it doesn't count for anything. You know, sometimes people get distracted from reaching their maximum potential for Jesus because of... Uh, the bad that's happened in their life. You know, there's, uh, I'm sure you all know people who have quit going to church, they have quit following Jesus because some Christian person uh, or some business person or somebody has said or done something that they didn't agree with. And they said, I don't want, if that's what Christians are like, I don't want any part of that. They gave me a raw deal. They said something I didn't like. Uh, people leave churches all the time because of pastors. The pastor says something I don't like. People say, I don't want to follow Jesus because of what that guy said. And so they, they exit. They, they take the side door out. And I understand what that's like. I've had Christian brothers or Christian sisters who have, I felt like, 
would give me a good excuse to say, you know what, I'm not going there anymore. I'm not following your Jesus because of how you've treated me. And so I know what it's like to have that view, to have that feeling. And if you ever get to the point where you say, you know what, somebody at that church, that pastor, if I say something that you like, I can't live with that anymore, um, I hope you don't leave. But if you do, I'll give you the same advice that I gave to someone over the phone recently who had something happen to them through, through somebody at a church. And I said, you know what, if you leave here, okay, I understand. But don't stop going to church. Find a different church to go to. And there's this awkward silence. Because what this person was looking for was a complete excuse not to go to church anywhere. Right? And it's like, if you have to leave because of something I've said or something someone else has said, don't stop going to church. Don't start follow, stop following Jesus. Keep doing that. Just do it somewhere else. But people use that as an excuse to, to not reach their maximum spiritual potential. They just say, that person's hurt me. I want nothing else to do with it. But also, <clears throat> the good that you have accomplished in your life, whether it's at this church or whether it's out on short-term mission trips or whether it's, I don't know, whatever you, the money that you've given to missionaries, whatever good that you have done, don't let that stop you from reaching your maximum spiritual potential. God has more planned than he wants you to do. But a lot of people say, I've, I've already uh, taught Sunday school. You know, there was this gal, forgive me if I'm talking too fast. I feel like I am just, <laughs> uh, there was this gal that uh, I knew back home. Um, she was, she's a mother. She had helped with VBS for about six or seven years. And when it was done, I was a VBS coordinator. And when it was done, she says, I'm done. It's someone else's turn. Which we all can kind of understand that, right? My kids have grown up. I can only handle these kids so long. But as far as I know, for the years that I knew her after that and for what she's doing now, she does absolutely nothing for the Lord. She did her time, sure, in Awana, her time in BBS, but that's not it. That's not all God has in mind for her to do. God has more that he's prepared for her to do. Um, I told my mom I was going to pick on her a little bit. Um, she's been helping in Awana for 33 years. That's, that's pretty incredible. I don't know how many people say, I'm going to be in a want for 33 years. That's her niche, right? She likes little kids. She likes teens. She likes that avenue of things. And you say, I can handle it for two years. Okay, that's great. If you can do it for two years or you can't do it at all, it doesn't matter. Find something that you can do, but you're never done until you've made it to heaven. Uh, you know, if, if I've taught Sunday school for X amount of years, I'm not, I'm not off the hook once I retire from that. If I've given X amount of money to the missionaries, I'm not done just because I've given half of my life savings. Uh, if I've helped with that project at that church that one time, that's not enough. I mean, you're not earning salvation, right? Obviously, we are not earning salvation, but because of our salvation, because we have salvation, we should be so grateful, so thankful to do give our master our best. The best of what you have, you've got, it's important that you give it to Jesus. And if you're, if you're thinking that I've already done my time, Josh, I've already done enough, I've already given enough, your mentality is wrong. There's always something that you can do. Sure, you're not going to, you know, get out there and mow the lawn possibly. You know, you're not going to be the one who's going to be on their knees playing with the cubbies and VBS, but there's always someone else that you can talk to. There's always time that you can spend praying for somebody. There's always a project that could use your help. There's always something God has for you to do. Philippians chapter 2.13 
says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to act for his good pleasure. God has something for you to do. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. As long as you're walking, as long as you're breathing, God says, I'm not ready to take you home yet. I have something left for you to accomplish. Paul is not content to dwell on what he's done. Out of anybody I've ever heard of and ever known, he's the guy who should be able to spend the last 20 years of his life taking it easy. But he says, I'm not content. I'm not done yet. And we need to have that same mentality. You know, there's this quote in the bulletin. Uh, the weight of what you've done can stop you. You know, if you've if you got a bad past in your life, you think, boy, I just can't overcome what I've done. Don't let that stop you. The same thing goes for, for having done enough for the Lord. You've got to put those bad things behind you, the guilt that you have from 20 years ago when you did X, Y, or Z, and say, I'm moving the opposite direction. I'm going to fall, shoot forward. And focusing on your past accomplishments can slow you down. If you're saying, yeah, I've done a lot more than the person next to me. I've done a lot more than the pastor. I've done a lot more than uh, the, the people in the pews around me. Right? Don't worry about anybody else. Don't focus on what they've done. You've got to worry about you. You've got to focus on what you've done. or, or not, not focus on what you've done. You've got to focus on what you have to do. So if I want to reach my maximum spiritual potential, the first thing I do is forget about the past. The good, bad, and the ugly. Put it behind you. The second thing you read in verse, four, or verse 13 is, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14 says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I press on. He doesn't say, I pressed on as if I'm all done. Like, I don't have to do this anymore. I've already done my time. I've already pressed on. He doesn't say, I will press on as if in the future I'm going to do this. He says, I am pressing on. That's what I need to do. I need just one foot in front of me to keep walking, to keep serving the Lord, to whatever he's asked me to do. I have to keep pressing on. But Paul says, I have not reached my goal. I have not reached my full potential. I have not reached perfection. And he knows that he's never going to do that, right? He's never going to be perfect as long as he lives on this earth. But he's not letting that stop him. His goal is still the same, to be perfect when, he, when he's serving and following Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through to 11. He says, My goal is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul, one of his goals is to know Jesus completely. To, to, it's, there's a difference between knowing facts about somebody. Like I, I know Caleb's favorite color is blue, right? That doesn't really sound like I know it. I'm pretty sure. You know, I know Darren likes the Cowboys. I know Annika likes the Green, pa Green Bay Packers. But if you're going to know somebody, you're not just going to know facts. You're going to have a relationship with them. And you're, you're going to know why they tick. Why do they feel the way that they do? I think Paul wants to understand better, how can you love me? You know, I was the guy who, how could you, I was the chief of sinners. I was the worst. How could you take that and make me what I am today and show me the grace that I don't deserve? Paul wants to know Jesus to the fullest that he can. He says, I don't know him as well as I could. I want to keep trying. He says, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul has suffered an awful lot more than I, most people will ever suffer. And I hope to never suffer the way that Paul has. But he says, I know Jesus has suffered more. And if that's what Jesus is asking me to do, I want to reach the, the full amount of suffering that's required of me because I'm following Jesus. 
He says, I want to reach the, the, uh, and enjoy the power of his resurrection. You know, because Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, he's able to help us to face the temptations that we face. He's helping us to overcome the obstacles that we stumble and often in our life to do the things that we're not supposed to do. And Paul says, I am not yet perfect yet. I still say things that I should not say. In Romans, it says, I do the things that I do not wish that I would do, and I keep doing these things, right? He hasn't reached perfection, but his goal is perfection. And he says, I want to, uh, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is still living at this point. He has not died. He has not risen again. I mean, he has not gone to heaven, right? He's still walking around on this earth. So he's saying, I have not yet arrived, but my goal is perfection. My goal is to be as much like Jesus as I can. There's a song, uh, I think, that Leslie's grandma sang a couple years ago. I want to get so close to Jesus that it's no big change. Uh, when I, when I kind of pretty much want to get to heaven. I don't want like this, wow, this night and day drastic difference. I want to get as close to Jesus now. So it's like, okay, there's just this little bit of change because, I'm, because I've tried so hard to follow Jesus to become like Jesus. So Paul's goal is those things, but Paul also, Paul also had other goals. One of his goals you find in Romans 15, 20, which was to take the gospel where no one had ever heard it before. His goal was always that new frontier. Go west, young man. He wanted to go and say, you don't know Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. He didn't want to be like trying to explain after somebody else has done it. He says, I am first. I am going where no one has gone before. Kind of makes you think of Star Wars or something, right? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. Paul's goal was to make Christ known no matter where he was. Because you remember in... Uh, when he was, he's in the Philippian jail, I mean the, 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 the jail in Rome, and it says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He says, I'm in prison. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the gospel out there, just as when I was a free man. My goal was to always get the gospel out. Paul's focus was not on what he's accomplished. Paul's focus is on what can I do now for the Lord? What do you have next for me to do, God? And that's a very scary thing because if I say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, that kind of limits me from doing what I want to do. But Paul says, you know what's more important is to do what God wants me to do. And you and I need to do the same thing. We need to forget about what we screwed up in the past, what we've, what, what, things we have against people in the past, what accomplishments we have in the past, and we need to face forward. We need to put our eyes forward and, and to say, what Jesus is it that you want me to do? So uh, a couple ways to do this, uh, or a couple examples maybe of how to do this, is to cut out that sin in my life that I used to do. Hebrews chapter 12 is, is a very common verse. I usually say Romans, but I got it right this time. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have Jesus as our example. Jesus has done this. He has set aside all the glory that he could have had, not the same because he never sinned, but he set aside all the glory he had in order to fulfill what the Father wanted. And if we're dragging all the sin behind us, 
it's going to keep us from pressing on. We're not going to be able to focus on that if we're focusing on the sin that we want to do. So if you've got sin in your life, you've got to cut that out. You know, am I requiring putting Jesus first? You know, for an example, if, if I, I found this out on Friday that I, I got really busy, I left the house early, and it was earlier than normally I do, and I found that, oops, I did not read my Bible first, which I do almost every single day, that by the time I got home, it was a struggle. By the time it's like 4, 35 o'clock, I'm tired, my day's spent, and I don't really want to do this. Uh, and so it's a, it might be just that simple, saying I'm going to give Jesus my 15 minutes first in the morning because later on I'm too tired or my game's on or my, my phone rings and I didn't expect it and I always think I'm going to get there. It might require putting Jesus first in the morning. And pressing on might just require uh, doing whatever it is that God's asked you to do. God says, you know what, I really feel like I want you to help Yuri Nakano get to uh, Plevna. You know, we had somebody say, I'm going to, I felt like God wants me to house her. You know, and someone's, maybe someone's going to say, I really feel like God's going to put on my heart to get her home. It might just be something that's that simple, but that's pressing on. That's doing what God has asked you to do. You know, I know it's hard to press on. I came up with three reasons why it's hard, and these are things that I have struggled with in my past and that I struggle with sometimes now. For why is it hard to press on? And if you feel like that's me, I want you to write down this reference, and you can read. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll explain a few of them a little bit. Um, but if you feel like it's hard to press on because you see other people aren't doing it, I want you to read the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13. Because Nehemiah, yeah, Mrs. Wagner says, I know that one. Uh, Nehemiah was back with the people of Israel and Jerusalem. And he's got all, they got the walls built up. He got all the people following all the things that they're supposed to. He goes back. He comes back to Jerusalem. And guess what he finds out? Nobody's doing everything. No one's doing what they're supposed to do. All the, the Levites aren't doing it. All the regular people, all the people are doing exactly the, what they just said I will not do. And then you've got to read chapter 13 to see how does he respond to this. Because I guarantee you, I've, I've mentioned this like four or five times, read Nehemiah 13. If you feel like I'm pressing on and nobody else is and I'm getting discouraged, read Nehemiah 13. If you feel like there's no benefits from this, like nothing's happening, nothing's changing, I'm trying to press on, and I don't see anything being accomplished. Or read Galatians chapter 6, 19. It talks about how there's going to be a harvest, there's going to be fruit, there's going to be a result of you pressing on. So if you're feeling like, uh, I'm just not seeing the fruit of all this, uh, memorize Galatians 6, 9, or, and just keep telling yourself Galatians 6, 9. If you wonder... Is it really worth it? I've got to spend years upon years of my life sacrificing X, Y, and Z in order to accomplish what God wants me to do. I'll read and memorize Matthew 6, 19 and 20 about storing up your treasures in heaven. Okay, because one day you're going to die, and that's it. You're not going to have another opportunity to store up treasures in heaven for yourself from that point on. You've got to do it now while you're here on this earth. So if you want to, and I encourage you, I beg you, to try to reach your spiritual maximum potential, forget what's in the past, and press on towards what's in the future. And during that time, while you're pressing on, you're going to be going up levels, right? It's kind of like steps. You're going to become better than you were yesterday, as long as you're trying to do this. And Paul's plea, we find in verse 15 and 16, he says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, 
have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Okay, reset your memory. I know that was blah, blah. It's kind of hard to understand. Verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You have all, Paul's saying, uh, you guys have been spiritually growing. You guys have reached, forgive me for putting it this way, another level spiritually. He says, maintain that. Don't dip below that. He says, things probably things like you were faithful in ministry. Continue that faithfulness. You guys knew God's word. Continue to read that God, God's word. Continue to memorize it. Continue to, and uh, what you have been taught. You have, you've made good choices following the Lord. Continue with that. Don't be discouraged by what everybody else isn't doing. Make sure that you're content and you're focused on doing better for yourself. But whatever level you have maintained, keep that. And the same is for us, too. You know, I, I think of Mrs. Wagnon with the musical instruments. You know, and uh, kids have all summer. And I don't know how many kids practice their musical instruments all summer, but I guarantee you that Miss Wagnon does not want them to be worse than when they were when the school ended, right? She's like, please, just maintain, as bad as it might have sound, maintain what you had so that when you start again, you can start from that level and you can improve. You know, you think about uh, people who like to run a mile uh, in a certain amount of time. Always make sure at least you hit that eight-minute mark. Don't go to nine minutes or ten minutes. You know you can do it in eight. Make sure you keep that up. If you can lift 150 pounds, you, when you quit lifting weights, what happens? Ugh, 140, ugh, 130 pounds. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Right? If you can lift 150 pounds, you maintain. It's the same thing with this. Following Jesus and how you've grown spiritually, maintain that. So if you have stayed clean from a bad habit, a sin in your life, don't dabble in it. Don't go back to it. Don't think, boy, I think I can handle this. Forget it. Keep clean. Don't, don't go back to doing what you've done. You've, you've cut yourself off from it. Keep yourself cut off from it. If you've been faithful in keeping a ministry, keep doing it. Keep being faithful to complete it until that job is done. If you have been faithful in making sure that you read your Bible every day or uh, listening to it on the radio, you have, you have what you have kind of a, a maximum achieved at, Make sure you at least keep that. You know, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I have done this, and I have done this. I've had where it's the sweetest with me and Jesus, and I've had it where it's terrible with me and Jesus, because I didn't follow this either. And I know it's difficult to keep going up. He says this is the upward call of God. It's hard to keep looking up. It's hard to keep doing better. But we want it with our music. We want it with our sports. We want it with our grades. We want it with our company. We need to have it with Jesus where I know him better, where I love him better, where I serve him better than I did before. You know, and if you find yourself that, boy, I'm kind of down here when I used to be up here, you know how sweet it was. You know the best it was between you and Jesus. I want you to remember in Revelation 2, verse 5, uh, when John is talking to one of the churches, he says, remember the height from which you have fallen? Repent and do the things that you used to do before, what you did at first. You guys used to love the Lord. You guys used to do certain things for the Lord and spend time in his word. Whatever you used to do that you say, I know that's when it was the greatest, do that again. You know, at our Valentine's banquet, that's going to be part of the message uh, last year. And I was going to say the same thing goes for all the married people. Whatever that sweetest time when you guys were first married and in love and you held each other's hands and you opened the door for each other and you made cookies and little hearts and stuck them in their lunches and all that kind of wishy stuff. 
Do that first. Do it like you used to do, right? Get those emotions and excitement going like you did before. Do the same thing with Jesus. Those things that you used to enjoy with Jesus, do those things first. You know, I imagine, what your max potential is. And, and, and music, and sports, and work, and lifting weights, whatever those things are, make sure that you reach that maximum potential and you keep that with Jesus. So we press on in today's world. We push through the pain to compete in sports. Been there, done that, right? We endure weather to get the job done. Been there, done that. We sacrifice sleep to get good grades in school. I never did that. <laughs> never. But I'm sure people have, right? You've sacrificed sleep in order to get the good grades. But when it comes to Jesus and the things of his word, are we willing to aim for that kind of perfection as well? You know, that might be ignoring the taunts and ridicules of unbelievers to take a stand for Jesus. Are you willing to do that? It might be sacrificing my hobbies and my desires to meet a need uh, in order to meet someone else's need or to be part of a ministry. Are you willing to do that? It might be giving up the sin in my life that I have turned to uh, whenever I got stressed out or I got annoyed or I got mad. It was always, that was my go-to sin. That was my comfort, right? It's going to require that if you're going to reach your maximum potential for Jesus. I want to challenge you. You're at this level. I want you to ch I'll challenge you to look up just a little bit higher. Be a little bit more faithful to Jesus. Know his word a little bit better. Be more willing to say yes to Jesus than yesterday. Always be working up to do better. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take sacrifice. But I want to remind you of what did Jesus do for you? And what did Jesus do for me? He sacrificed uh, what he had in heaven to come down this earth to save a stinking, rotten, lousy sinner like me, which I don't understand. It's one of those things that I've got to get up to heaven and say, really? How? How? I don't get it. Paul wants to, to know Jesus better. My goal should be the same, to know Jesus better. It's not going to be easy. So I just want to remind you, though, that it will be worth it. You put Jesus first, it will be worth it. So keep pressing on and finish well. And you will be glad that you did. You won't regret a day of it in all eternity.